We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 385. Our guest today is an eventer and obviously a huge passion for horses. She also attends the University of Kentucky and is a pivotal member of the UK eventing team. Some of her achievements include individual accolades like the NAYC Bronze Medal in 2019 and the National Young Rider Reserve Champion in 2021. She's also been named to the USEF U25 Emerging Athlete List for 2022, 2023, and 2024. She is also the highest ranked USA under 25 rider in the FEI World Rankings for 2023. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Cosby Green. Hi, Cosby. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're all the way in England right now, so I appreciate you taking the time and uh, time difference to make this work. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to get to talk with you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Tell me how you first got started in the horse world. All right. So I I have been in love with horses as long as I can remember. Um, but as soon as I turned four years old, I was old enough to take riding lessons at kind of the local riding school called Champagne Run. Um, so as soon as I turned four years old, I was signed up for the lessons and, you know, kind of started off riding two days a week. And um, every week I would kind of complain to my parents and, you know, I was like, I want to ride more and more. And so I just kind of would continue to spend more and more time out there. And um, I eventually got my first horse at 11 years old. And from there, I was pretty much your definition of a barn rat. I, every, every moment I wasn't in school, I wanted to be at the barn working and riding. So um, I'm really lucky that Champagne Run kind of was able to fulfill that passion of mine and that dream of, of just horses and, and really, again, just horse crazy, horse crazy since, since day one. And um, I'm pretty lucky that Champagne Run, they, you know, host some eventing shows at the Kentucky Horse Park. So I was quite exposed to eventing from a young age. And Mm. I grew up going to Rolex or Land Rover five star. Um, You know, I just kind of was surrounded in that environment. So to me, it was kind of a no brainer that eventing was going to be what I what I did. It was just all I knew. and, And I ended up just falling in love with it. And, and then here I am decades later, <laughs> um, I'm still doing the same thing. So wow. that was such a great foundation for me to, to kind of get into it and found from there. So what inspired you to transition from Kentucky to Dorset, England? Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of going back to when I was younger and kind of growing up, one thing I've always wanted to be is to be the best. Um, that's kind of a bit of a competitive nature for me. I'm, I I want to be the best. I want to have the best. I want to, you know, learn from the best. And so when you kind of come down and, and at the time I graduated from University of Kentucky, I was reevaluating my life. You know, I wanted to kind of continue on this, this, um, excellence kind of motto and 
the best in the world and Tim and Janelle Price were world number one and world number two. So to me, kind of making the leap, there's um, no better person to learn from than the best in the world. Um, And thankfully, I'd be able to be number one and two. So um, that was I kind of to me before I launched my business and started my brand and, and everything like that, I wanted to have a clean slate, you know, and learn from the best and then be able to kind of incorporate that into my own program when I come back to America. Definitely. Um, Reflecting on your first season abroad, what were maybe like some standout moments that affirmed your decision to make the move? Yeah, so gosh, um, a few moments. It's pretty much the whole thing. Yeah, Um, I think at the beginning, it was a bit rough. It was a bit I felt a bit clueless. And there's lots of things I, I wasn't really sure about. But I think kind of at the end of the year, like kind of nearing the end of the fall season, um, I realized kind of how well things had been going that, you know, I hadn't had so many cross country penalties and I was able to reflect at how much each of my three phases had improved. And that's really what was like, okay, this was the right decision. I'm really glad that I did this because um, in the moment, I'm just kind of put my head down. I was working, 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 trying to fit in against the best in the world. And then it was kind of nice in the fall to, to kind of sit back and look and be like, okay, you know, we've made it this far. We've made a lot of improvements and um, yeah, to really kind of enjoy and know that it's been a good investment so far. Awesome. I love that. Uh, Your recent completion of your first, um, was it five-star in France? Yes. It was a really significant milestone. Can you share maybe your number one goal leading into that event and, and if you felt like you achieved it? Yeah, so I think my number one goal um, was just to finish and and Janelle always tells me she says put in three good phases. Mm. And so ultimately, like every event that was my goal to put in three good phases. And um, I think, you know, the the show jump was a bit disappointing, could have been way better. um, But for the most part, I'm really happy. I thought I put in three really solid phases. And you know, there was no other option to me than putting in three good phases. It was um, failure was not an option in my head. So I really think that I achieved that. And, and we did the best of our abilities at the moment. So yeah, I was really happy with that. Could it, always, you wish you could do a little bit better, but yeah. for a first five star, I, I can't, can't complain. So yeah. yeah. Being, being a part of your team, I'm sure must have been like so invaluable too. How do you feel like their support and mentorship have really impacted your performance at the five-star level? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm just such a big believer in that the team is everything. So um, yeah, just being with Tim and Janelle, rocking up to my first five star, that just gives you confidence as is. And um, so that just having their, you know, their good vibes, their calm vibes, you know, this is just another day in the office um, that really, you know, made me feel confident. And then, you know, to kind of further my groom, um, Ryan, he, you know, he'd worked with me all season, he knew the horse really well. And, you know, knows me well, knows what I like. So that was, you know, that just kind of helped things smooth over. And um, my parents and my boyfriend and my sister were there as well. And so they were really there for the emotional side of it as well. And, you know, celebrating when things went right. And, you know, they it was just it was such an awesome moment for, you know, the team to come together and and not to mention even the prices um, grooms and their team and their staff, you know, they they helped me so much as well. So it really is such a massive team effort and like what a privilege it is to be with that team I I there's no way that I could be there without like all of them so I'm I'm so thankful for it and it means it's everything so 
Yeah, that's I mean, after you ride in, let's say like in this particular five star, what do you discuss with the team about your performance? Like maybe walk me through what a post-ride debrief looks like. So to um, to begin, especially at the five-star level, it's a little bit of a celebration. Like we've, I've made it, we've done it, yeah. checked it off the box. Um, and yeah, first thing I kind of thank everyone and then kind of reevaluate, you know, I go through with Tim and Janelle kind of each phase, how can I be a little bit better um, for next season and just kind of, yeah, go through each phase and, you know, the dressage, we can go for better marks here and this is how we'll do this and the cross country, you know, maybe, you know, take a little bit more half halt there, take things a little bit slower or a little bit faster, or, you know, kind of evaluating that. And then the show jumping, you know, just, you know, trying to get the horses to jump better. So it's a pretty thorough, um, we go through each phase and we talk about what could be better, what was good, and then kind of drop it, carry on. And then next day at training, we will work on, on just those things and, and dial in on those things. Cause each time it's, you know, it's, it's not all going to come together in one day. So just mm-hmm. trying to tick little things off the box. Definitely. And every journey to success has hurdles. So what challenges do you feel like you encountered en route to achieving the result you did at the five star? Yeah, gosh, I mean, it's always just a roller coaster. So um, specifically for my horse, he was pretty, pretty reliable coming up, you know, um, to be honest, I dealt with a bit of you know, skin, it was probably a week before the five star, we dealt with um, a bit of skin, he got some mud fever, it's rainy, and muddy here. So I'm kind of dealing with a different skin in England, my sensitive chestnut, you know, he, his legs would kind of get, you know, irritated from the skin. And, and then I would kind of start to get really worried that maybe he wasn't okay, but it's just skin and, you know, just kind of adapting to those, um, to the changes in moving countries and topography and um, kind of dealing with that leading up to a five-star was a little bit, a little bit nerve wracking for me, but it all ended up okay. Um, But yeah, no, thankfully he was, he was pretty easy. And um, I feel really thankful that I had been, you know, on my other horses, I had been kind of traveling around Europe competing and um, got pretty used to competing against the competitors. Like I was um, at the five-star level. So, you know, all of that experience was, was really helpful. And, you know, I had plenty of hiccups kind of either getting to events or, you know, anything, you name it. I kind of was lucky to have gotten some of those mistakes out of the way before I made it to the, uh, to the right. five-star at home. Right. We are moving into our new home this year. And something I'm so excited about is to fill the house with equestrian art because not only is it just so classic while being so timeless, I think it really aligns and, and fits in with any type of interior decor and style. I found an equine artist a couple years ago back when I first was introduced to her amazing equine art calendars. I've been using them for a few years now. I think this is my fourth calendar of hers, Um, but her name is Steffi Hornig and she is one of the most talented equine artists I think I've ever met. And something I really love about her methodology is she really prefers to really get to know the personality of the horse and then paint them, you know, to really try to capture who that horse is. Um, And so I just really think that shows through in her art and really sets it apart. 
For more information, if you're looking for a calendar, I think there are a few 2024 in stock. I just got mine and I am obsessed with it. One of our horses is actually the month of February, which she did so perfectly. So to get more information, visit her website at steffihornigequineart.com for more information about how she does what she does and, and for you to get your hands on some art or getting her to paint one of your horses. So again, that website is Steffi Hornig Equine art.com. All right, let's get back to the episode. If you could give maybe advice to your younger self based on your experiences, what wisdom would you share, especially about, you know, staying true to your passion? Yeah, I think I would tell my younger self to never stop dreaming, um, Mm. to never stop dreaming big and to never, yeah, to never put yourself in a in a small box and and to think that you know if there's a will there's a way and when things kind of seem impossible to just dream even bigger and have more creativity and and figure it out because I think it's you know I, I reflect and there's so many times that it's it's easy to just do the safe option or to you know be smaller not smaller minded but kind of stay in a comfortable zone but you know I think I would just say continue to take opportunities out of the comfort zone is what I would say and dream big. (laughs) Absolutely. Tell me a little bit more about the logistics of your program geographically. How much time are you spending in England versus how much time you're spending in the U.S.? And what does that kind of look like for you in this upcoming year? So I was in England from March 1st up until through post. That was kind of the beginning of November. Um, I stayed through that whole time. I went back home for a few days, um, but was gone from home for about nine months. And Mm. then I went home for the month of November. And so in November, I just, all the horses are out on holiday. So no better time than go to the US and that. So I, you know, have been teaching lessons and riding and trying to maintain relationships and with people and just kind of meeting up and kind of doing a reevaluation of, you know, this is kind of my own so debrief, if you will, what can I do better? And so I've just been really focusing on how I can be more organized and, and, you know, kind of incorporating everything I've learned into um, my program. And so I'm back in England right now, bringing, dragging the horses out of the field who are completely feral <laughs> and um, getting them back cruising again. And then I'll go back home for Christmas, kind of finish off any, any other little things to, um, you know, teaching and whatnot. And then I'll be back in England full time for another year, starting after the new year. Yeah. Um, so really just being in America in the, in the off time, just to kind of get things in order. Right. So, yeah. I bet they're all pretty fuzzy right now. Oh my goodness. It's <laughs> driving me crazy. They are fuzzy. Their manes are long. They're dirty. They stink. Yeah. It's it's good though. <laughs> they like it that way. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like giving them the opportunity to really let down is so good for obviously physically, but mentally even more. So it seems just giving them that time to take a breath and enjoy being a horse again. Absolutely. They are loving it. They did love it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love it. Um, After that break, what does it look like for you as you're getting them back um, fitness-wise and kind of back into a program? So we'll do about four weeks of hacking, um, just really kind of easy work. Uh, they had two months off, so easy hacking. And then I'm hoping, I'm assuming I can get kind of logistics in order. I will be going to Spain and 
February for a few weeks with Team nice. Price. So we'll leave kind of at the end of January, I believe, and make it there for three weeks in February, do some show jumping, like a sunshine tour, and then we'll Fun. come back. And then they say that eventing starts in March in England, but I don't even believe that because it's too wet um, <laughs> that most of the events get canceled in March. So the idea of maybe getting back up eventing in March and then, but really it probably will be April. And then, you know, I'm hoping to do a couple of five stars in the spring on some of my horses and four stars and moving my younger horses up the kind of up the grades. And, and that's kind of roughly the plan, but just kind of slowly easing into things right now and, and working with the weather is, is the biggest mm-hmm. thing. Definitely. What would you say is something that you're passionate about in the industry that you feel people either don't talk a lot about or don't know enough about? So I would say um, something that I think could be talked about more is, you know, that this sport is is difficult and nobody is perfect. I Mm. think as a younger girl, it's really easy to look up to people, you know, that are doing really well and having nothing but success. And and you get kind of down on yourself as as a young girl to, you know, to think maybe you won't get there one day or, you know, I wouldn't say jealous is the right word, but kind of envious of that person's having success in your or not but I think the biggest thing is you know yes like this sport just it goes up and it goes down and and you just have to appreciate that and and respect that and know that nothing is nothing or nobody is perfect and I think that's something you know that could be talked about more and it's not something you can really appreciate or understand until you've gone through the ups Mm -hmm. and downs in the sport yourself um, but yeah, just younger me and in the industry in general, especially, especially targeted at younger girls to know, to not get too down on yourself and, and the sports hard and, and you will fail and, and yeah. you will succeed no matter what for the rest right. of your career. Yeah. It's like, that is the absolute given with, with what we do. And so, and I think for some reason, and I know that social media is a, is a part of that, that it is, I mean, and for a lot of people, it's, you know, a portfolio of their business. So obviously you want to showcase um, the wins and the things that go really well, um, because that's, you know, a way to get new owners and clients and, and all of those things. And so that aspect of it is important. But I think what then also happens and, and maybe more of a negative side is it, um, maybe just makes the the wins seem just like unrealistically constant and that's just not the reality of the situation and um with a sport that is you know judged and um really kind of based off of deducting off of a perfect score you know like we find in in a lot of areas mm. of our industry yes. i think that yes. that expectation of perfection seems to be a lot higher than the reality of it absolutely yeah that's that's a great point and that's a yeah exactly and it's kind of you almost have to accept that you that you will fail and it is inevitable because there is kind of a period of time when you're young and you kind of think oh that you know you know, either it's happening to me all the time or, mm-hmm. you know, it won't happen or whatever it is. I think it's just accepting that. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be perfect all the time. So. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many factors in our sport too, where it's like, you can, you can have everything right. Or maybe your, your horse makes an error. Or your horse is perfect and you're a little off or like 
you you did kind of average, but everyone else did a little bit worse. So you end up doing better than, yes. you know, you know what I mean? There's just like yes. so many factors that you never, you can't really predict or you just can kind of do your homework, uh, you know, focus in on your program and, and, and then when you're ready to compete, you know, do the best you can do and be positive and that that's about it. Exactly. You're yeah. very right. Very right about that for sure. It, yeah. It's definitely hard though, because you obviously are, you are building a program. You are, um, once you get a taste of success, I think that also gets a little dangerous because then, then that kind of starts <laughs> yes. becoming the new expectation, right? Yes. Yes. It's all kind of, um, you know, I've been advised that life should be like a flat line in a way, or mm. your career should be, um, you know, not getting the highs too high and not letting the lows get too low. And and I think it goes both ways. You can't let one, you know, outweigh the other. It has mm -hmm. to be, you have to treat the wins and the failures pretty, pretty equally. So that way you can, you can stay sane because like you said, there are so many factors and each competition is different and, and we can't determine our success or, you know, based off of just a single result, even though that's what's easiest to do. There are just so, too many factors to, yeah. to stay happy and, and be doing it. Yeah. Exactly. Off of that, so. exactly. Well, Cosby, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share your journey. I think it's um, so exciting what you're doing and, and so brave of you to kind of take the overseas leap and really, <laughs> you know, blossom there. And so I think that that's so cool too. So I wish you all the best and I'll continue to watch your journey. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.